0: What is baptism? Hmm. Baptism is for even sinners like Corin. <laughs> Jesus says, go and make disciples from all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and by teaching them to observe all things whatever I have commanded you. These words from Jesus in Matthew 28 are the institution of baptism. We call baptism a sacrament because it's something that's been instituted by God and carries the gospel that is uh, the promise of the forgiveness of sins. It's not something that some clergy thought of long ago while sitting in some catacomb. This is something that God himself told us to do. And it's important because Jesus says, this is how disciples are made. This is how Christians are born, or rather reborn. Jesus says that disciples are made in two ways, by baptizing and by teaching. And Jesus says it's for all nations. The word there means all people. It doesn't exclude anyone. Even children are included in all nations. And we see a wonderful example of, that, of this baptizing and teaching in our lesson from Acts. The Apostle Philip, who had been made a disciple by, uh, directly by the teaching of Jesus himself, is brought by the Holy Spirit to someone that really did embody this all nations that Jesus mentioned an Ethiopian eunuch. This guy was a wealthy official, a court official of the queen, in fact, who apparently had enough money to buy the scroll of Isaiah. He had to have a lot of money, a lot of money to buy a scroll. Anything printed was was copied meticulously by hand, and Isaiah is the largest book of the Old Testament, which meant it was one of the most expensive scrolls that you could possibly own. And he's reading a passage from Isaiah that we hear every year at the end of Lent on Good Friday. It's a description of Jesus, the Lamb of God, going uncomplaining forth to the cross. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. But the man doesn't understand it. For all his wealth and even his reading of Scripture, he doesn't grasp it yet. He's reading Scripture and he's missing Jesus. He's missing the Gospel, which means he's missing the forgiveness of sins Jesus won on the cross. And he's missing life and salvation. And this is a problem that we all have. We could not and cannot by our own reason or strength believe in Jesus our Lord or come to him. So he says to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? This man asks a great question. What does this mean? What does this mean? He's not looking to find himself in Scripture, but he's reading Scripture as it actually presents itself. But he still needs to be shown the Gospel. So brought there by the Holy Spirit, Philip began to speak. And starting with that very passage of Scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And what good news is that? What's the good news? That Jesus was led like a sheep to the slaughter. John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Just as the blood of the Passover Lamb saved those who were in Egypt from death and slavery, So the blood of the Lamb of God saves the world from eternal death and the slavery of sin. It's the good news that Jesus did not open his mouth. Jesus takes upon himself the sins of the earth, but he doesn't complain. He doesn't go against the Father, refusing to do the Father's will, but submits himself when he says, Thy will be done. He doesn't defend himself while his accusers are spewing lies about him while he's being tried by Pontius Pilate and Caiaphas. On the cross he's silent when all those around him are mocking him and taunting him, telling him to come down. Jesus did not open his mouth. It's the good news that Jesus was in a state of humiliation. That is, that he did not make full use of his divine powers and attributes, especially when he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Jesus humbled himself so that we could be exalted. It's the good news that Jesus was denied justice. He was stricken, smitten, and afflicted. Jesus was innocent. And yet he suffered the most excruciating death imaginable. He didn't deserve to be there. And what's more, is it's even, even that God the Father denied him justice. He was forsaken by God himself on the cross. Jesus on the cross suffered the punishment that we, by our sins, deserved. Jesus suffered hell. And finally, it's the good news that Jesus' life was taken from the earth. We deserve death because of our sins. That's the punishment that God's law demands. But Jesus became man to die. God died so that we could live. All of this sounds so evil, and yet it's the most amazing good, the most amazing good news that's ever been recorded. It's our evil being overcome. It's death being defeated by death. It's the gospel and the sure promise of the forgiveness of sins in Jesus. And so the Ethiopian, upon hearing all of this, he does something strange, and we might not even think about this. But he sees some water as they're driving by, and he asks, what is there to prevent me from being baptized? Well, how did he know about baptism from reading Isaiah? Isaiah doesn't mention baptism necessarily since Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus instituted it. But it's not hard to see baptism and teach baptism in this lesson. A few verses prior to this, which the man likely would have read, Isaiah wrote, "...so shall he, Jesus, sprinkle many nations." In the Old Testament, God had told the priests to take a, a hyssop pran- a branch and dip it in water and sprinkle the purifying water on the people. Uh, on people, uh, on dishes, on tents, on, on anything unclean. But it wasn't a permanent thing. Anytime the people were to come into God's presence at the temple, they would again have to be washed. And they would again be washed over and over and over and over. It was never enough. Because they were sinners. And what they were being washed with was only a type, an imperfect type, of the eventual fulfillment to come in Jesus. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, would sprinkle the nations once for all. Once for all, and they would be clean forever. So you can imagine the Ethiopian asked Philip, Philip, so how do I get this? How do I join Jesus on the cross? How do I I receive what Jesus did for me on the cross? How does the forgiveness of sins come to me? How can I share in the life and salvation Jesus won on the cross? And Philip probably said something similar to what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 6. Don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him by this baptism into his death, so that just as he was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too would also walk in a new life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. An illustration that pastors use for confirmation class, and I use it uh, just today in our confirmation class to our confirmants, is this. You go to your faucet in your kitchen and turn on the tap. You get water, but where did the water come from? Did it just magically uh, appear there? No, it came from somewhere. It came from the city water tower of the tin man through pipes hidden underground, through pipes in your, in your house that you can't see, uh, and finally, through your, your faucet and to you. Jesus won forgiveness, life, and salvation by his suffering and death on the cross. But those blessings have to come to you somehow. And Just like you can't reach into your faucet and, and grab whatever's in the water tower, uh, you can't just reach out and grab what Jesus won on the cross. God has to bring it to you. And he brings it to you through means that may seem hidden. He brings you forgiveness, life, and salvation by baptizing and by teaching the gospel in word and sacrament. So he ordered the chariot to stop. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water And Philip baptized him. The Holy Spirit, working through Philip, made a disciple of Jesus that day by baptizing and by teaching. The Ethiopian is baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptized in the name of the Father, he has become a son of God. Baptized in the name of the Son, he receives all the benefits of the Son's work of redemption. Baptized in the name of the Spirit, he receives a life-giving and life-sustaining power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So what is baptism? Baptism is not just water, but is water used according to God's command and connected with His Word. It's the Gospel brought to you through means of water combined with God's word of promise that brings to you all the blessings Jesus won on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.